Last week we began a new series in the book of James. As we go through the book of James, we're, we are being reminded to live wisely. It's not always easy in our world to live wisely, and yet God wants us to live for Him. So how are we going to do that? What are you going to do? How will that affect the decisions you make, not just this morning, but through all of life? Last week, as we paused and meditated on trials and suffering, we all go through trials at different times. If you're not suffering or struggling, even in a small way, you likely will be soon, right? Because even in this world, Jesus Christ said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There are difficulties in this life, and yet the promise of heaven, for those who know Jesus Christ as Savior, brings comfort. Because that's when life's sorrows will be o'er. We'll stand and worship on that shore. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. James chapter 1, we're going to continue our study today, living wisely for God. And yet, it's not just in times of trial. Today, we are being reminded that we must live wisely for God in times of temptation. Yes, there are times of trial, but sometimes along with that time of trial comes times of temptation. James chapter 1, we're challenged to trust God, seeking God. Verse 5 says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So as we talked about asking God for wisdom in the trials of life, I want to encourage you to evaluate your own life this morning in light of temptations. What temptations did you face this last week? This isn't a time for you to necessarily respond verbally, but I want you to stop and think about it. What was at least one specific temptation for sin that you faced this week? It may be a temptation that no one else in this room knows. It might even be a temptation that no one in the world even knows because it was all an internal struggle. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But as we're tempted with sin, we must live wisely as believers. Now, often here in America, we are called Christians. Why? Is that just an American term? It came from the book of Acts, didn't it? They were first called Christians. Now, yes, it wasn't English back then. I get that. But the translation of that word into English, why? Because they were little Christs. They looked like Jesus Christ. They lived like Jesus Christ. Now, they weren't without sin. Jesus was always without sin, wasn't he? In fact, even as we pause and we think about the time of temptation in the wilderness, we could go there and look through how to deal with sin and temptation. But here in James chapter 1, James reminds these believers, by the way, who are scattered abroad, that they can live victoriously and live wisely in times of temptation. Live wisely in light of sin. Don't do it. The temptation that comes our way, we don't have to disobey. We don't have to sin. We can trust and obey. In verse number 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God... Really, when we stop and we think about this sin, what do you do with your temptation? How did you respond to that this last week? Did you excuse it and just behave however you felt like it? 
You did what comes naturally. But the natural man, Paul talks about. Or did you and I live for God and respond with his strength? You don't have to be stuck in your pattern of sin, whatever that is. Think about that. I mean, you know what sin you were tempted with this last week. Was it a sin that you consistently have been tempted with for the last 10 years of life? 15 years of life? Maybe your whole Christian life? Friend, you don't have to give in to that sin this week. If you and I are going to live wisely, we can take God's strength and obey Him. We can take God's strength and live wholly for Him. James 1 verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. We're to live wisely. The word wisdom means the right use or exercise of knowledge. So if you and I are going to live wisely when it comes to sin and temptation, we have to practice one thing for sure, and that's thinking. It's so easy when we get tempted to just let our brain coast and we just react we respond we just are reacting to the situations around us whether it's anger we explode uh, whether it's fear we just let that worry come because that's the easy thing it just is natural for us but wisdom says no i'm going to think and put knowledge into practice so you have no excuse now many of you again you've been taught this all of your life all of your Christian life, but what are you doing with it? You don't have an excuse, so let's live wisely this week. Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and I shared this last week, says that wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment, either in avoiding evils or attempting good. We are tempted with sin, whether it's to not do something we know we're supposed to do. In the Christian life, there are a lot of things that God tells us to do. In fact, I just wrapped up the book of Exodus in my devotions. And I was looking at the last few chapters has been about the command of God and how Moses and the children of Israel had to obey the commands of God. And if they didn't, that would have been sin. There are some things in our lives that God tells us to do as believers. And if we don't, or rather when we don't, it is sin. So how are you going to deal with those temptations? Whatever it may be, your walk with the Lord meditating on God's word, spending time in prayer. This afternoon in the afternoon service, we're going to talk about memorizing scripture. And that is a biblical concept, isn't it? <laughs> we're going to look at that in how sometimes we sin by omitting that behavior when it's so much easier just to do what comes naturally and not devote myself to memorizing scripture. We're going to spend a few weeks studying that and then the practical how to do it. Or it's the sin of what I do, that God says, don't do this, and I choose to do it. Maybe it's respond with that explosive anger. Maybe it's re reacting with that worry or fear. Whatever it may be, you know what sin you're tempted with. My encouragement and challenge as we look in God's word this morning is to live wisely. Take God's strength and live with his wisdom. Number one, if you and I are going to do that, we must think right about our future. I must think right about my future. Look at verse number 12 again. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. He's talking about the future. Not, in fact, it's not just the future here on earth. It's the future in eternity. 
If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you are promised a home in heaven. You look forward to that day. Romans 8 says our bodies groan for that day. And some of you, your body is groaning more than other bodies, right? You're looking forward to that day. But here we're talking about living wisely in light of temptation. Looking forward to that day. You're not alone. Again, remember, James wrote this, verse number one, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He wrote this to believers. This was for everyone everywhere. Now, the apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Again, temptation, the idea of being proved. How are you going to respond? Taking God's strength? You aren't alone, which is really the encouraging thing. Whatever sin it is that you're tempted with the most, again, you know what that is. We sometimes refer to that as a besetting sin. Whatever you're tempted with the most, you're not alone in that sin. It might be anger, and maybe you say, but nobody around me struggles with anger like I do. No, but there are other people who do. There are other believers even who do, and who have been able to take God's strength and live victoriously. But, but Pastor, you just don't know how much my fear controls me, and I just let that worry dominate my life. But I don't have to know. God does. And it should be a comfort even that you aren't the only one who worries like this. In fact, often we can look at character studies throughout the Bible and see people who struggled with the same sins that we do, but that they walked with God. Now, some, of course, we look at their character study in the Bible and see they chose to walk away from God, and there were the consequences that God chose. But we stop and we think, we're not alone. I need to think about the future. Think right about my future. Again, there's that reward. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about those who, by faith, lived their times of, of life, whether it was times of trial and didn't get tempted to give in. By faith, by faith, the chapter continues to talk about. Moses, by faith, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. Man, there could have been a lot of temptation there. He had all the wealth and all the money. In fact, even the power that he wanted or could have wanted ever. The temptation to stay but as opposed to living for God. And yet God used him greatly, though he struggled a lot. He was not a perfect man, but he remembered his future. And friend, as you and I go through temptations this week, I want to encourage you to remember your future. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? If you do, then be confident you're with God in heaven someday. But again, look at verse 12. It's not just an eternity with God. James 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Again, last week we talked about the trying or the temptation, the trials of life, the proving that comes. And this week it's the trying, the proving that comes from temptation of sin. You will be rewarded faithfully for trusting God in this life in the trials of life, and in the temptations of life. Trusting God for his strength. So again, you've already paused and reflected on some of those things you've been tempted with last week. And 
you already know those are areas you know you're going to be tempted with this week, right? Right, don't we? So now what are you going to do about that? Are you going to think right about your future and say, okay, God, I know you promised blessing and reward even eternally if I will just trust you now. Or are you just going to think of the here and now and say, but it's so much easier just to give in? And it is, but it's not right. It doesn't please God. God wants to bless you. Think right about your future. Salvation brings eternity with God, but also lack of salvation brings eternity apart from God. This passage is clear. This letter, in fact, was written to the believers that were scattered abroad, the 12 tribes, Jews. But the opposite is true. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't have eternity with God forever in heaven. In fact, the sad reality is we've studied the last number of weeks in the Sunday school hour. You have eternity apart from God forever in a place called hell that burns forever, the worm dies not, there's gnashing of teeth, there's wailing, it's no party. Why? Because you're separated from God. Lack of salvation brings eternity apart from God. Hell is for those who reject Christ. John chapter 3, verse 18. The most common verse known that, that a lot of people, whether they're saved or unsaved, know is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know God sent not a Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That there is salvation in one name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. So friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, your confidence about eternity is hell, not heaven. But God doesn't want you to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But your lack of belief in Christ. John 3, 18, I, I referred to that. We, we quoted verse 16. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is not just some fire escape from hell. He is the hope for eternal life. Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Throughout, uh, I think it was the month of August in the auditorium Sunday school class, we talked about hell. In fact, all summer, those who didn't deserve salvation. And then we, we looked at uh, the rich man and Lazarus and hell, that it's a reality. Not a fun one, but it's a reality. And so in Revelation 21, verse 8, we just read that. There are a bunch of big sins, aren't there? Oh, yeah, those people deserve hell. But the fearful and unbelieving as well. John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already. Friend, you may believe that Jesus is real. He is. But have you acknowledged your sin before God, that he is that propitiation or that payment for you personally? Not just for everybody. Yeah, he died on the cross. It's not good enough to know that Jesus died on the cross. He died for your sins and for mine. 
Make it personal. Know your future. If you and I are going to experience wise living in times of temptation this week, we must think right about our future. And then number two, I'd like to encourage you to think right about your God. Think right about your God. Again, verse 12 talked about how when you endure temptation, uh, there will be that crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't make an error in your thinking. Think right, not just about your future, but think right about your God. Again, it starts with a right view of God. You can never know Jesus Christ as Savior if you don't have a right view of God. Yeah, you've got to see yourself for what you are, but you can't see yourself for what you really are unless you see God for who He is. He is that Creator God who came down to earth and died on the cross. He did not sin. We can look at Matthew chapter 4 and see the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. And you could say, well, this passage says that God can't be tempted with evil. God can't sin. Jesus, being 100% God, yet 100% man, experienced that temptation there in the wilderness, quoted scripture. Again, he is God. That can be a hard concept for all of us to understand. 100% God and 100% man. It's not just 50-50. Like, he was 100% God, 100% man. We can get into that a whole lot more if you're interested in that. But when we stop and we think about this truth, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In fact, we're going to actually talk about this a little bit with the kids during kids' time, so I can't say it all. But, but they had the opportunity. They had a choice. They could obey God or they could not obey God. God didn't tempt them with sin. He placed this opportunity of proving their love for him. He didn't make them robots. He didn't make you or me robots. God can't be tempted with sin, and God doesn't tempt us with sin. God does not want to fail, make you fail. God's just putting everything in my life to make me fail. No, he's not. There are trials. In fact, again, we looked at the first section of chapter 1. talks about the trials. Sometimes your trials bring about temptations that you're going to struggle with in this way. Not that God's trying to trip you up, but he's allowed trials in your life to prove you. It's really what this word trials even means. This temptation. Being proven for God. The word temptation means to putting to proof by experiment of good or even experience of evil. Let me read that one more time. Temptation means putting to proof by experiment of good or even experience of evil. You ever watched them maybe on a documentary purify metal or gold or some other precious metal? Putting it through the fire, the trial, to purify it. Not to point out all the fake, but to get rid of that fake. 
That's what God is wanting in our lives. In fact, we could look at the life of Job, which is interesting because we don't often get to see behind the scenes, do we? But we see what goes on behind the scenes with Satan and God and however all that conversation happened. I don't know what we take by faith, what God's word says. God gives us, again, an insight into that. Yet Job, he said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. The trials in your life sometimes bring about those temptations. The temptations in your life that you have for sin, God isn't tempting you with sin, but really we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. Verse number 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's our own lust in the times of trials that tempt us. I don't like this situation, and so I'm going to hate it and murmur and complain. Wait a second, you're being drawn away of your lust. Your lust is to get rid of this, and so your natural response is to complain. Your lust is to not like this time, and so you just worry, how am I going to get through, or whatever it may be. The word lust, a longing for that which is forbidden. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's forbidden to live peacefully without trials. And yet, the, again, God promises in his word, trials will come in this life. Think right about your God and think right about your sin. This is actually sin. What? When you're tempted of your own lust and enticed. Disrespect to parents. Is it really sin? Yeah. Teens, I know that's hard. I, I remember being a teen. I, there are some specific memories I have of being a teenager and how I did not want to respect my dad because my dad didn't know anything. Come to find out, he did. By the way, my dad wasn't perfect. And who do you think noticed that first? I did. But that doesn't excuse my disrespect for my dad, did it? That didn't excuse me. Again, I'm drawn away of my own lesson and tie. So again, honor thy father and thy mother. Those are important things. But also, parents, the word of God says, in honor preferring one another. There's that aspect of love. Yes, God has placed parents as authority. Teens, don't say, well, God says we're supposed to prefer each other and honor each other. We are. But there is a level of authority that God has placed in all situations of life. But again, parents, we have to love our teenagers or our young children who are downstairs right now, right where they're at, remembering where they're at and the struggles they're going through. Though, you, again, we can't remember everything about that time of life, but the struggles that they go through and honor preferring them. Think right about your sin and really think right about your child's sin as clearly as you can. Sometimes their sin is a willful act of defiance, isn't it? Sometimes their sin is a result because they're just too tired and you kept them out and did too much with them, right? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I have to blame myself. Now, again, I can't take that responsibility. My child's sin is still what? Still sin, and it's their sin. But I know that there are times that I may push them too hard and too far. Now, that's how their lust responds to that. But as parents, we have to be wise with that, too, and what we're going to allow and say, no, we're not going to do this. And sometimes our teens or our kids won't understand why we say no. But we remember through those times, don't we? So teens, try to trust your parents. It's hard, I know. But again, whether we're 
going through a trial and we react to sin, or whether it's just temptation that we just know is sin, sin is wicked. I know we, we've gone through it before here as a church family, but my sin is wicked. We can say that about all our sin, regardless of what excuse we can make up with it. You are drawn away of your own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Man, that's a tough thing. I need to think right about my sin, that I'm drawn away by my lust, that longing for that which is forbidden, that ultimately my sin will lead to death. Which again, we already talked about eternity. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you will not go to hell. Praise God. But if you don't, you will. But if you're saved, why are you living like someone who's on their way to hell? Because it's easy. That's just the natural thing to do. But whatever that sin is, that temptation, you and I need to live wisely, thinking right about our sin. It's very interesting what James says then in verse 16. Here in the middle of all this, he says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't make an error in your judgment. You're thinking, I'll be okay. It's just once. Or sometimes we make that excuse just one more time, and then I won't think this way again. Or I won't do this again. Or, right? You know that excuse. You ever make that one too, like me? Anybody? Oh, good. At least a couple did not good that we make that excuse, is it, Bill? But it's really just a reminder we aren't alone. As pastor, I understand the temptations you go through too. Not just because, oh, I've seen people go through them. I'm tempted with sin too. So what are we going to do with sin? The temptations that we face. Think right. Think right about our eternity. Think right about our God. <clears throat> Think right about our sin. And, and man, lastly, again, think right about your God. That's really what this whole passage starts out with and it ends with because that's where temptation, the victory for temptation comes from. It's God. We go back to the early part of chapter 1 where James is talking about the trials of life. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We could go back and see that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, really, for the perfecting of the saints. So we go back to the Word of God. This is where we get our victory for life. That old song we sing, victory in Jesus, not just victory for eternity, but victory over sin and over temptation right now. This afternoon, maybe, maybe you parents, some of you who had young kids, you remember this, some of you who still have young kids, you, you're looking for that rest time, and your child wakes you up five minutes into your short 10-minute nap is all you wanted. Anybody else understand that, right? And that is, the temptation is to respond with anger, right? But I don't have to. I can take God's strength. The temptation to worry because this situation happened at work or <laughs> this situation happened and I, have a I don't have a job any longer or this health situation came up and I had no clue this was coming. Our natural tendency to react, we should run to Christ and look into his word. We must see God for who he is. Think right about your God. He says here early on in chapter 1, in the trials of life, 
that it's going to grow you. But if you lack wisdom, ask of whom? God. Again, we can look down a little later, verse 12, as we think right about the future. Who, who gives the blessings of heaven? God. It's thinking right about God. And then again, thinking right about God in verses 13 and 14, reminding us that God isn't tempting us with sin. Thinking right about my own sin then. And look at verse 17. Again, as I think right about God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. Back to verse 5. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. With God, there's no instability. Here it says, the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 18 is powerful. As I think right about God, it helps me to think right about myself. Sometimes we, we come up with all sorts of excuses for our temptations and thus then the, the sin that we committed based on that temptation. Nobody knows, nobody understands, God doesn't care anyway. Many of you understand that negative self-talk that we often do. But yet we go back to what verse 18 says. And really, even verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God wants to bless our lives, even in the midst of trials. We saw that in the life of Job. And James is writing to believers who understood trials and sufferings of life and then understood temptation to sin. And yet he says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Earlier this morning, I read 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You don't have to sin. When that temptation comes this week, you don't have to do it. Teenager, peer pressure is strong. Adults, peer pressure is strong. <laughs> Teens, you aren't the only ones who struggle with peer pressure. Sometimes as, as adults, whether it's in the workplace, how do I stand up and say no? How do I stand up and say that's wrong, I can't do that? Because my job might be on the line. And peer pressure, whatever it is that you're facing, remember, you don't have to sin. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. What, what is one of those? Victory over sin. Drawing close to God. If we're going to live wisely, really even as James says a little later in chapter 4, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God will lift you up and exalt you. One of those ways is giving you victory over sin. God is faithful. Think right about God. And as you do that, you'll think right about yourself in light of God. Again, he made you and you are special. Verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Which is interesting. We can look at that in a couple different ways. In Genesis chapter 1, <clears throat> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we look at every day of the creation week, and it says, God said, and it happened, right? God said, God spoke, and it happened. 
Of his own will begat he us. God did not have to make human beings. Again, we're going to talk about that a little bit with the kids here this afternoon. With Adam and Eve and the choice they had at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God didn't have to make you, but he did. And then of his own will begat he us. He didn't have to save you. He didn't have to come down to this earth to die on the cross for your sins. Not just the sins of the world. And it was. He's not willing that any should perish. But I want you to think about that personally this morning. That's what this passage reminds us. This has to be personal in my thinking. So where are you this morning? You know God made you, but have you been born again? Made again? That new heart? Trusting Christ as Savior? If you have, let's live victoriously this week. Not because it's easy, but friend, because it's possible with God's power. So back to that first question early on in this service that I asked. What do you do with the temptation that came your way this last week? What did you do with it? What are you going to do differently this week? Think right about your future. Think right about your God. Think right about your sin. And again, think right about your God. Because when you and I think about God for who he is, that's when the power of Christ is real. Because it's the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This afternoon in the service, we're going to talk about memorizing God's word. That is the only offensive weapon as Christians we have. How are we going to live victoriously? Thinking right about God. That is where life has changed. Father, we're thankful for your love. God, we are thankful for your grace, your faithfulness. God, between last Sunday and this Sunday, as we talked about the trials of life, and we're glad you, you don't leave us alone in those, but God, as we think about our own temptation from this week, we're glad that you don't leave us alone. God, as we've reflected on our temptations that we have walked through and maybe even given into countless times this last week alone, God, we are asking that you would help us this week to think right about ourselves and right about you and let your word make all the difference in our lives this week. And that, God, whether it's this afternoon or whether it's tomorrow when we are tempted, that, God, we will take your strength and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. God, we know it's not easy, but we thank you that with your power it's possible. 